Hi there, professionals. Thanks for joining me on my new exciting podcast series, Industry Insights with me, DPDS. This series will take a look at stories from entertainment industry professionals from all sectors of the industry. It will be compiled with various levels of experience and will really indulge in a journey of their careers and utilize their stories and experience to help influence current professionals in the industry or total newcomers wanting to get into the industry. If you are new here, thanks for joining us. I'm grateful to have you listening. If you enjoy the episode, please consider subscribing connect our community across social media for those that have been here before welcome back here's what we've got in store for you today well hello hello good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you are in the world and welcome back to industry insights with me dpds Um, we have our next guest and i'm so excited uh, to speak with this person i've known them for a very very long time uh, began professionally became a friend and then we've worked at friendship and and, and as a colleague throughout the years Um, they're going to give a wealth of uh, experience and stories so i'm really excited um, to welcome producer and creative director Karen Mabry. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So happy to have you. How have you been? I'm fine, like everybody else, just finding my way in the new world as uh, we know it <laughs> these yeah. days. Craziness, right? Especially in our industry. So that's kind of my idea for the show. I wanted to use this time to utilize everybody's experience and um, maybe people who are thinking when we do start back up, they want a career in the industry or they're in the industry um, and they want to look at maybe taking a different avenue um, or growing different skills or, or really developing themselves uh, within the industry. So um, I want to dive straight in there. Um, I kind of already introduced what you do but if you can just tell us you know what your current job role profession is pre-covid i know we're kind of in that (laughs) uh situation at the moment but if that wouldn't have happened where you're at in your career before that happened and you know what sector you you really work in within the arts that would be great absolutely well um about eight years ago now i started uh, actually it's not eight years it's six years it seems like eight years i started my own company uh, kmcc which is uk based and that specializes really in you know creating a platform for people to stand on and shine and that's a recruitment agency and a lot of the recruitment we do is for the cruise lines and the cruise staff techs etc and then our US company because I do have a you know a residence in the US and my husband and I live here is our uh, production company and we've been producing shows and uh, finding work for artists uh, for shows on land and at sea over the last few years. So obviously both of those things are not really happening at the moment, Um, but I'm hoping like everybody does that things will kick back in and we'll be able to start producing shows again. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I actually know Karen, she's got a wealth of experience and she's been uh, in the industry, I don't, you know, say a long time, uh, but for for a while, um, we actually met um, when Karen was actually my boss back in the day as a cruise director for for Royal uh, Caribbean. Uh, That's how we met and um, our journey's gone from there, really. So that was a fantastic time and a period in my life where I got to work with you. Um, do, Do you remember back to those days? That must seem like a lifetime ago that you remember for us working together and, and being on, on a ship it it doesn't it doesn't like you know when you stay in touch with people sometimes i feel like this industry is timeless you know you see someone you pick up where you left off but it was great i mean i loved being a cruise director i'm so grateful i got to do that job for a long time and meet people and travel it was just brilliant and really good times and you were a star on stage so it was always a pleasure to work with you Ah, oh, thank you. So going back, obviously, I've just mentioned that you were a cruise director. Let's take it back a little bit um, and, and talk about, you know, how you got started in the industry. If you can kind of tell us your journey, what you've done over the years, companies you work for, what you've been doing. Um, if before all that, uh, you did education or training within the arts, what that consisted of? Well, I mean, it's a lot, really. I was lucky, I think, uh, because my mum and family were all involved in entertainment. You know, my mum was an actress and a model and and several people I was related to were performers. So 
from being little, I actually did some kids modelling and uh, I did a, a, a documentary called Seven Golden Miles about Blackpool, which is where I'm from originally. Um, so I think it really naturally went without saying I'd go into entertainment. In my school, we did a lot of drama and dance and singing, etc. Um, and the only deal I made with my mum was that she said, look, if you want to go into entertainment, I really want you to get a trade. So when I left school I did hairdressing and and qualified as a hairdresser but meanwhile I was working at night um emceeing uh, karaoke and things like that um and so I just kind of it evolved really I was always pretty lucky and I've always had quite a lot to say so um I was working <laughs> at Yates's wine lodge actually behind the bar and then every hour you all did a little dance and all this and then I went to work at the nightclub upstairs and became the manager and um I was pretty young to be a manager really and I was emceeing um, <laughs> ladies nights and things like that and uh, that really got me a lot of my my emcee ability and my comedy chops going and then from there I started to work um, I worked for a little bit in London I was part of a, a comedy team we performed at a lot of gay clubs doing sketches and I wrote most of the sketches and then I actually went and started to work for what was then Thompson Holidays which is now TUI and I was entertainer and um, entertainment manager at several resorts and then I evolved to work on, on cruise ships and work my way up to be cruise director and entertainment director and then started my own company and became a show producer. <laughs> so that's kind of a lot of years in a, in a nutshell, really. Yeah, amazing. Like, like I say, you've had an amazing career this far. You've, you, you really started off doing everything. And now, um, you know, you're, you're known for producing shows right now and, and really great shows, which we'll talk about um, in a little bit. So in regards to like education training, did you train in the arts or is it something that you just fell into? I know you mentioned your family obviously were um, arts orientated, um, but, but like professional training, because there's a lot of people who have had training and there's a lot of people that just hit the ground running. They've got a talent, they've got a passion for entertainment and they've been able to be successful without having to go and spend, you know, a significant amount of time to, to train. Well, the thing is with me, uh, Darren, is that I, the school I went to um, was a private school. The, the, the school I went to when I was like a kid and I first went to school and they did arts, you know, we, there was a lot of emphasis on drama and singing and dancing, but I was never very good at dancing and, People who know me in here, this will be like, yeah, we've seen you. Um, <laughs> I was always a little fat one at the back of the class in ballet. And I was actually all right at tap dancing. And singing, I was okay. It was, You know, I, I was having piano lessons and vocal lessons and things like that. But I've always been one of those people that I think you have to utilize your best skill set. And what I was good at was making people laugh. And so I even when I was little, leaned more towards comedy. And then when I left school and I started going to a lot of auditions um you know I'd, I went I remember once going to audition for for a plane you had to read a piece and for some reason I, I picked Salome which was just bonkers I hadn't even really researched it you know and and then I started to to, to do this whole monologue and everyone was looking at me and then I went this is just absolute rubbish I'll tell you what let me do a funny version and I just went and turned it into a comedy routine and the the <laughs> producer was laughing his head off but he said to me yeah you're definitely not right for, for the play you should go into comedy and improv and I did then do several comedy courses I did some training at Jonglers Comedy Club and Adam Wide who was fantastic mentor um way back then and uh, work with lots of different fun people so I think if you're going to be a, a dancer in particular I think the training is incredibly important because I know yeah. today as a producer and director how hard it is if someone really doesn't have you know that proper training um but if they can move the choreographer can work wonders i just found that i really enjoyed making people laugh and my skills were definitely hosting rather than being a part of the cast um i've been in shows and i've always done a comedy role because i can you know move and i can hold a tune but i sometimes think it's there's enough talented people out there that can really knock it out of the park rather than having being one of those <laughs> ones that holds the audition process up yeah well yeah you know i've 
seen you on the stage and I, I remember you being that cruise director and MC and you like we'd be behind the, the curtain I remember just like laughing before we went <laughs> on because she'd be so hilarious um, Thank you. well that's that's great so talking about like not the arts if when you were growing up was obviously your mum was was a, a, an actress and model did you always think like yes that's what I want to be I want to be in the arts or had you thought of another career path that you would have done before falling into the arts I had a brief spell of wanting to join the army um and I, I remember being in the girls venture corps and going to the airport in my little uniform and really because I really wanted to learn how to fly planes and things like that so wow. it was I, I I don't know if it was the army navy or the air force every week it was different and my mum wasn't keen on me doing it and so you know if you want to go in when you're younger you have to have the papers signed and she kept saying look you know just wait until you've left school a couple of years and then decide so by the time I'd left school and um, realised I don't think I could follow that many rules, uh, that wore <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I would have. I think I'd have been court-martialed in the first week. But um, I always <laughs> loved entertainment because from being small, that's all I knew. Um, my mum was very tall and slim. And although I was slim when I was younger, I wasn't that tall. And I saw how much work went into being an actress and a model and you know, she'd be going to film on Coronation Street and, you know, there for hours and on the train in the rain. So I think that might have put me off a bit. And I didn't really feel like eating the ramen noodles <laughs> right away. <laughs> so I always knew I had to to earn my, my living right away. And so I did want to be in entertainment, but I was prepared to, to go and do other jobs, Me, you know, as I look for that perfect role. Back then when you were starting out, so uh, I'll ask you about your first job. I know you kind of uh, went over about what you were doing, but talk about the first job in the industry. You know, tell us about what that was. And really back then, like, how did you get that job? Was it through yourself? Were you using an agency a bit like you have now? You're helping people bridge between, um, you know, them and a company to get them work. How, how was it then for your first job in the industry? It was really an I knew a lot of people, you know, because I, I'm from Blackpool, which can be a small town. And so it was um, just doing karaoke nights and emceeing. And I did go for, for the interview audition because you had to serve at the bar as well in between. You just did a bit of everything. And yes. then I just think I had that personality and I didn't mind making a fool of myself or dressing up or uh, you know, so it was really emceeing and, and I was doing the, this ladies night for male strippers in this <laughs> club called Addison's in Blackpool and, you know, warming everybody up. And I was quite funny. And I think after that, you just get work. Um, I didn't use an agent because what, of what I was doing as an emcee. It wasn't really the thing back then. And yeah. then after that, because I went into entertainment management, um, I had an agent a couple of times when I was in a com comedy team, but there'd be different agents, you know, and just hooking you up with gigs. Um, yeah, so I think an agent is very, very important, especially if you need, if they're one of those agents that mentor you and give you a professional uh, input and guidance. So that's a little bit more, maybe more of a manager as well. But I just, would go to the auditions and you know if, if I got the job I got the job and now you have that platform um, and you are mentoring and helping people um, a lot of people or a lot of performers sometimes don't use an agent or they don't want to um, and there are sectors of the industry which you you can you know you can source your own work and you can find platforms uh, where you can source your own work and not get uh, you know, an agent and then pay any a fee for that. Um, and I kind of want to find out your take on on how helpful an agent can be, even if you can source the job on your own. You know, if you become in uh, difficulties with a contract or there's something you don't agree about, the, the pros and cons of not having one or having one. I think that um, it, it depends who that agent is. I think if you're fair, like or anybody that I represent, they see the contract. There's no hidden fees or anything like that it's exactly what I show them and I do give guidance because I am a producer um I think that what the entertainment industry is going to look like going forward a lot of people over the last 12 months will have found a way to do it on their own and I would encourage people to a certain degree you know to do that if they've got the polished act I think that as well agents can't 
take credit for gigs they haven't got people and um lock people into unrealistic contracts but i do i do have artists that really don't want to deal with anything they would rather pay you the 10 percent or whatever the commission is and you deal with everything because sometimes contracts do have a lot of loopholes i read everything from start to finish i do the tech rider i do everything for my acts so they are so prepared and they have all the paperwork in order so i think if you want to just focus on performing it's convenient to have an agent who does your calendar and sets you up I think if you're an entrepreneurial person with a great business sense and you've made the contacts on your own, I think that you also then have the opportunity to go direct. But the busier you get, the less time you'll have to focus on those contracts. And, you, and people right. have got to be really focused on themselves and making sure that their act is produced. And once again, moving forward now, everyone's going to be competing with people they would never have done in the past for jobs. Yeah. You know, so I have, I have mixed feelings. Just always make sure you see the contracts, read the small print, and that you're seeing the actual contract as well. You know, and once again, back to that depends because sometimes the venue is paying a fee for a show and then the agent is paying different artists. So that's a bit different, you know. But as long mm-hmm. as you have that relationship and you know your agent's honest, and if they're in America that they're registered and they have a proper license and it's not just somebody who's doing it as an extra thing, because that's not very fair either. You know, if you are an agent over here, you have to pay an annual fee and all your insurance, etc. So it's kind of annoying when you're competing with someone that's just doing it as an extra sideline and they, they haven't got licensed. And- and how would a performer, uh, you know, find out if an, an agent w- was licensed? What advice can you give to so they can check and make sure that that's all in place before they signed on, say, a dotted line with an agent? How how do you find that out? Every state's different in America, so it's hard for me to make a generic statement. I mean, you can Google those people, and you can look. I'm pretty sure you can look the licenses up and say, you know, license like here, Florida licensed agent, etc. And I just ask people, <laughs> to be quite yeah. honest. You know, in, in England, I mean, nowhere else you need to be licensed, as far as I know, like in the UK. And I think, I think that you should ask other people. Nearly everybody I represent was referred. Yeah. You know, so I think you should ask other people, and people will tell you. Like just, just the other day, um, a friend was talking about a, a new agent that had contacted them recently and my husband said oh he was my agent 25 years ago he ripped me off <laughs> and it was oh, and wow. I didn't even know because I'd never heard of this person but the person had rebranded himself on whatever and do people change they do to a certain degree but that obviously will make the friend go and look a little bit more in depth into, into who is that agent yeah yeah, I mean, for anybody that's in has an agent or is looking for one, you know, if you are uncomfortable, like Karen says, with the details and you want to focus more, it's very helpful, a very good tool for negotiations with contracts and sourcing different work or on different platforms that you might not have access to. So uh, that's one of the, the benefits of having that as well. Absolutely. And, and I just think that, you know, all the agents I know are amazing. And they they work so hard for their acts, you know, and they really nurture them and are honest. And and so I think it's very rare there's a bad agent out there. Certainly this time I'll have weeded out a lot of people anyway. Yeah, I'll see who's there when we come back. Yeah. Um, now, in your job now, as you know, you've really progressed and now you work as a producer and a creative director. Um, what hurdles do you face now on, on that platform? Um, so anyone that's thinking, you know, they've been in the industry for a long time, they're looking to become a producer and be more creative, in whatever that would be, you know, directing or choreography or producing. Um, what hurdles have you faced with that and during that part of your career and how have you overcome that? The hardest thing is people not rec- not recognizing your ability and looking in the beginning at what you've done and if you've not got any history or credentials or shows under your belt they th- then you're competing with a lot of people 
um it's just getting that one show out there getting that respect and uh, people seeing you really do know what you're doing it's very very competitive you compete against people that have been around for years yeah and then you're competing against new fresh talent you're competing against people who have some ties to some major artists and uh, you're competing against people that have got a, a great financial background you know um, i mean we self-financed our show uh voodoo blues and then we had our studio and we got all the costumes and then covid hit and you know i had to give the studio up because it would have made no sense to have it closed and Mm -hmm. so all that stuff's in my garage now and i had to sell a lot of stuff because we didn't have space etc and then uh I mean, in my ideal world, I'll just be invited, like I was when I went with Carnival, you know, to go and direct, and you, they do all the producing. You give your creative input, but someone else pays pays for everything, and then you just show up, you know, use your mind and your yeah. ability, and then pop your Mac in your suitcase, and off you disappear. But when you do it yourself, self-producing, it's a big gamble, and you yeah. can be left in debt, you know. You really have to be careful. I suppose that's the the difficult part, right, is when you want to start something new, like you say, you're competing against established companies or established production companies with either good reputation or, you say, financial uh, gain or backing. And it it can be quite, I suppose, quite difficult. So would you say that in some instances, having that experience throughout your career, knowing people and being able to network can can influence and can help you, you know, produce a show and, and progress? I don't think so, to be honest, because I was known as a cruise director, even though I, before I was a cruise director, I'd done a lot of different things. And then while I was a cruise director, I produced activities and events on board or wrote them. Um, but then trying to be a producer, people would say, but what have you done? They don't go, oh, well, you did a really great circus show on board. They, they're like... I will not be you with the cruise director. So I think that um, it's harder sometimes uh, to do it, knowing people. And weirdly, the two big breaks I got were with people that never met me. They just believed what I was selling or telling them. And right. one, one was at Carnival, you know, when I, I talked about the show I wanted to um, pitch there. And then the other was um, my land show, Voodoo Blues, that I sold by just talking to somebody i hadn't actually even written it I, it was in my head and um, the whole concept and how i'd do it and somebody was great that had a theater and was listening they were so excited they booked it <laughs> that's <laughs> so, amazing you know i think just having conviction in what you're doing and that your idea really is the best one they're going to hear that week <laughs> it yeah. is. and if people like you i think that's important they have to look and go my god you've got enthusiasm you've got to be delivering something good here yeah. So you've produced, uh, like I say, a couple of shows and, and they've they've been on different platforms. Um, so with Voodoo Blues and w- where have your shows been predominantly re- recently in the last, you know, five, ten years? Where 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 are you producing and, and selling, I suppose, and putting on those shows? Well, I um, had a show, I have a show, America Rocks, that, that Carnival bought, that, um, you know, they produced and uh, we developed with the team and that was on several ships and hopefully that's a fantastic fantastic show i can (laughs) say as as an entertainment director on board it's you know it's such a great show to watch and the audience just gets so it's like those massive rock songs that everyone just wants to rock out and have fun so it's a fantastic show congratulations thank you thank you yeah it's just like an immersive party and we've created this rock festival rock concert feel And then we have uh, done four shows uh, that were on Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line. And that's obviously like everybody else waiting to go back. And we still have all our stuff on one of the ships there. Um, And those shows have been really, really successful and actually, you know, been nominated for several awards. Um, And then Voodoo Blues, my land show, which is a big dramatic production, has been at the Sharon in the Villages. Um, it's an expensive. It was an expensive show, as in it's a big production, and we did have two other places it was supposed to be this year, which of course has gone by the by. Um, and then I produced a, a show called Music of the Big Top, which is a journey through circus with a twenty-seven piece orchestra. And wow. that, well, that was at Coco Village Playhouse last year, and it was a historic tale playing tribute to great circus uh, composers. 
so we've we've done a few things, but you know we've we'd really love uh, to have done touring shows, and we were starting to to really gain traction. But then, of course, the, the world screeched yeah. to a halt, and um, those shows are just in my garage, <laughs> <laughs> ready to go as soon ready as we can go, do them. Yeah. You talk a, a lot about we, uh, so I would assume that I've obviously met your husband, who's a, a musician, uh, a very talented musician. Do you come up with these concepts yourself? How do you? How's your dynamic of working together? You know, what brings the best out of each other? Who does what? Um, do you work as a partnership? Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we do. I'm the storyteller, and Dave will always come up with a great selection of music. Um, I, so basically I usually I'll have an idea, but he, two or three, he's got some really great ideas as well. Then we'll sit on the patio with a, with a bottle of wine and brainstorm. And then I'll start to storyboard it together and tell him what genre of music or what have you. And then he just takes off and goes into his studio and starts putting together, um, you know, song lists and the order and yeah. the flow. And then eventually he lays down the tracks and edits it all together. Um, so creative weekly, we, we collaborate. I've worked with uh, several choreographers, but I'll say Kelly Connolly is the one who's like my my um dancing spirit yes because i'll just tell her what i think the movement should be and then i'll dance around the living room um, <laughs> and, and then she'll actually turn those moves into a uh, very artistic and creative uh, dance moves and then um for, for the bahamas paradise contract i have a great partner kevin black and he's a wonderful wonderful producer and we collaborate and uh He'll have a show and then I'll go in and, you know, he'll say, what do you think of this? And I'll probably make two or three com comments. But for the most part, it'll be 90%, you know, Kevin's. And then yeah. uh, with my shows, I'll, there'll always be something like a number that go doesn't practically go into the next one. And he'll, you know, come up with how to make it more fluid. So we're a good creative team. I like to collaborate with different people, but it definitely does begin and end with myself and my husband. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, that's a such great partnership. So you're talking for anyone that's obviously I might be new or thinking about getting into producing and creating shows. Are you able? You talked a little bit about storyboarding and and that kind. Of, can you talk us through the process of the concept of from concept to finish, like a brief outview of how a show is put together, and you know from your mind to then being on a stage and, and being fully costumed and ready and open. Just talk us through a little bit of how that is, is process is. When Everybody does it in a different way, but this my formula that works for me is I start getting ideas just out of the blue all the time. So all I do, I, I write it on my phone, I write in notebooks, it's written all over the place. And then I start to do like a storyboard and a mood board, which is the ideas, the music, the theme, what my ultimate goal is for the show. You know, so, for example, my the music of the Big Top, somebody wanted to do a show that was circus music, but that was it. There was, there was nothing else. So then I was like, okay, historically, the composers, um, what were those pieces there? What acts were pertinent to, to then? What could be the story that, that, that joins us together? So I, I begin with the concept and then what kind of music it is. And once I've started to put it all together and started to do it in, in either acts or in the order of music, and uh, I begin with that format. And from there, I start to think about what each number is going to make you, me feel or what do I want to go with it. So, for example, with the circus show again, one number would be the tightrope. I wanted it to be a beautiful ballet number. So I literally wrote the piece of music, tightrope, ballet. And then at, from that, I have like loads of bubbles that come off, you know, which yeah. will be color schemes. So it'll be white. It was white and red dresses, emotion, you know, nostalgic, pensive. So I wrote it, write different things like that. And then once I don't do the costumes until after I've done the show, but little thoughts will pop into my head and I'll because I can draw, so I'll draw a lot. So a lot of my my way of putting together a show, it's there's a lot of 
notepads and drawings uh, that are all start to go in a massive file together. And then I'll start to type it up once it takes some semblance of, of an order. Yeah. Then I'll start immediately, as soon as I know what the story is and what kind of music, then Dave will start to put in the songs and he'll come and he'll go, what do you think of this song? What do you think of that song? As soon as we decide on the song, that's when I start to think about the choreography and the costumes. So, right. you know, so there's a lot of work goes into the, the, the concept and a lot of, you've got to be very diligent to, to have a structure because until you have the structure, you can't start directing anybody else. And then once I've done all that, I think a lot about the lights. I love the lights. I spend a lot of time on lighting and lighting designs and ideas. Um, if we self-produce, we do our own videos. And I get very involved in that. And I really feel strongly about all of that. Um, making sure you've got great text. My lighting designer is everything to me, like everything. They're like my God. And um, the Right, lighting can make a massive uh, difference to a show, right? It can completely transform it. Can, it can transform it. I mean, a good example is opening America Rocks. Um, we were in the shipyard and um, the video, the LED walls were, didn't boot up. And we had to do the show. It was all the VIPs from the shipyard were there. And uh, the show just started. And the lighting designer absolutely done such a phenomenal job that the story was told with the lights, you know. And, and I, rem yeah. I, I think there was more lighting cues in that particular show at the time than, than Carnival had had in any show, you know, because it kept coming up, oh, my God, you have so many cues. But I love the lights. So I think that your lighting designer is absolutely everything. I think your choreographer is, is obviously crucial to tell your story through movement. Um, having a great sound technicians that that's it you know that for the singers that can keep them sane and that's very very important and then and once again back to producing if you have a big budget that's heaven you just bring in phenomenal designers to to design those costumes based on your vision um if you don't have a big budget it really is like you can go and see chicago in in new york and i mean it's the most basic costume in the world but it doesn't matter because you're you're captured by the by the the score and the story and the acting and the dance and the vocals. Yeah. So I think costumes are wonderful. I think moving forward with COVID, there's going to be more restrictions, and I think that that may not be always the biggest budget you have. So I I, right. I think really as well that when you're writing a show, think about how you can just deliver that show in the bare bones of your talent. And right. a clever, a clever uh, a musical arrangement and, and wonderful choreography and vocal direction. Think about everything else as is the gravy, really. The costumes and scenery, they're important, but you have to be able to, to, to present your show on, a, on a, just a black stage. Right. So if, if the core of the show, you know, is, is fantastic and you've got the great music, there's all those feels and the talent and, like, say, lights and sound, you might not necessarily always need those bells and whistles because they're captivated on, on what you're, you're delivering raw. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. I mean, what if you were going to go and do a touring show and you get there in the truck with the costumes and props doesn't arrive? What you're going to do is like not do the show. I think, yes, if you're doing My Fair Lady or something, it might be difficult. But, but <laughs> it might be a yeah, problem. It might be a problem, but I think you should. Lion King, I think they might struggle. <laughs> Just like, you know, draw some whiskers on with an eyeliner. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you've got to have the, the, the quality's got to be in the bare bones yeah. of the show. Now, as like creatively, so you've talked about, you know, all of those things that make a great show. Has there been an occasion when you've, you know, you've got this great idea, you've all the way through production, you're about to it and you're like, you know what, you're in preview or you're working, you're like, this not working, that's not working. How do you as a producer and cr creator at that point say that needs to change, but you've got a deadline and you're going to open the next day. How do you cope in that situation? And has that, has that, has that happened to you? And, and what have you done? I think that um, if you've sold the show on what is in it, you, you, I mean, that you've got, even if you don't always love your ideas at the end, you know, you have to maybe revisit why you thought it was a good idea in the first place. And you have to bring in other heads. Because you can't let your own moods and emotions. You've sold the show and someone's expecting it. You have to deliver it. You can't start changing your mind last minute yeah. if it's a big noticeable thing. And you have to think about the expense and the stress of the performers. 
And I think that you can't be too selfish about your show. You have to also then bring in other people who may remind you of why you thought it was a good idea. If when you see it, you absolutely hate it, which, yes, that has happened, I think that you've got to just t sit with your performers and say, how would you feel if we change this? Because I think that, you know, a lot, a lot of work goes in from the performer's side. And I always think about them. And if I start changing this, how am I going to impact yeah. uh, this? But also, I'm a big believer in your show has to be readapted. So if I have felt that way, and, and there is a couple of times I have, and it's maybe been a, a involved magic or dance or something. But I'm like, this number's just so pure. Why am I having, I've just put too much into it, which has definitely happened with me. I think you it's better to take away than to add right. so you're not creating unnecessary stress on everybody because it affects everybody yeah i mean it, it, as a performer myself i think you were hurt and then if you've learned it you've got it and you take you like ah oh. but it's a, a great process when you get to do a, a brand new show or a, a, a inaugural cast of something you really get to workshop a lot of ideas and that's the great part i suppose that you must really enjoy um is workshopping your ideas that you've had in your brain and watching them come to life in front of you must be fantastic i cry every time i have a show that opens i cry i don't know if it's with relief or <laughs> or, or both but yeah or both but every time i hear the singers sing through the show i always cry and then if i see like a really a number the dance comes to life and it's everything and more than i could ever have wished for then i'm like oh my god that's so beautiful uh, i think the day i stop being emotionally attached to any of my work i think that i won't bother you know i mean if you've yeah. sold a show to a cruise line then you have to walk away and just be proud of what you've done if yeah. it's something that is ongoing like voodoo blues now voodoo blues i rewrite all the time and but that doesn't affect anyone else because once we, we do it, we go through the whole re rehearsal process from start to finish anyway, you know. But that I do because I keep the, the key character, Marie Laveau, is like a person to me. So that I'm always rewriting that script. But like I said, that's not affecting anyone but me, you know. So that's what's important when you do the process, not to be selfish at the end. Yeah, perfect. Well, I think that's given us a lot of insight into being a producer and creating that whole process and your personal experiences. Looking back now, obviously, through the career that you've had, um, you know, what have been your influences throughout your career that have kind of led you to where you're at and maybe your ideas or your, you know, Karen's signature? Have you had someone that's been influential or influences that have helped you throughout your career? There has been some people that I've admired for different ways, but a lot of the time it's been people I've thought, oh, my God, I don't ever want to be that kind of leader. I don't ever want to be so this or that. And a lot of the time it's been that I've thought I can do that and in a realistic way because I think you can never dream too big. Um, I, yeah, there's been a lot of people like a, a great guy, Richard Holmes. He's a CEO of a, a company called the King's Foundation in the UK and He's an entrepreneur that built up a huge company from a, a church, uh, a back room at a church, and he's one of the leading children's sports people in the UK. Richard was a big influence on me, his dynamics and his business skills, and he encouraged me when I started my company to put my own name on it, which I thought was a bit silly or vain. And he said, no, you connect people. You've got to make a business out of that because you just know people and you love people and you connect them. Um, yeah. You know, with regards to being an agent, uh, Robin Cahill is, it works for the Don Casino Agency and I've always admired her and I, I know her very well personally. And from a business perspective, once again, she's influenced me. And then other people, I'm not going to name, but I'm like, oh my god this person how did they even get that job and this would be a better way to do that and so rather than just moan about it or mull it over in my head I've just made my way of doing it what I think is a better way I'm doing it myself yeah great and I think listening to your story I'm sure people you know and throughout you know your career and the people that have worked with you and you've been there either direct manager or producer or creative you would have influenced those people as well and i think that is a what am i trying to say like a, a responsibility that we we have as leaders in the industry is to influence and develop people and i i, I think as the years have gone on um that's really grown and is a real focus now for for performers or anybody in the arts is is being that leader in development and and i see you doing that as well 
I enjoy it. I really, really enjoy it. I'll never not help anybody. Anyone can ring me or reach out anytime, and I'll always advise them if I can. You know, if it's true. Know true story. True story. Um, my husband, actually, Karen, uh, <laughs> we, we decided to uh, go back to a cruise, and, and Karen actually was uh, the agent that helped uh, recruit my husband to his position uh, where he works now for for Carnival Cruise Line. So, thank you to that. You're welcome. And I'm very proud because you both, I think, one employee of the month and manager of the month or whatever at the same time. And I was like, look at them go. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, awesome. Great. Thank you. Um, uh, a question I've been asking through this series um, about entertainment. Uh, and during this whole pandemic, um, the arts have really suffered and kind of been, or, or especially here in the UK, have suffered and been put on the back burner um, a little bit uh, the arts itself however everybody is utilizing the arts uh, the myth around entertainment jobs um, maybe you've experienced throughout your career is not being a real career um, and you know would you people think that when you're going to do something real or a real career have you ever experienced that and what would your be your views and comments to you know debunking those rumors or giving back and saying well this is a, a long career i mean look what we've just spoken about for so long you've had this great long career so many people were making a career of it what would you say and have you had those experiences i've absolutely had it but i mean if anybody even bothers to read history books or go back in time you know from caveman times there was drawings on the caves of people juggling and doing different things entertainment's crucial it's crucial for your mental health for your emotional well-being and people are meant to to laugh and to perform and to express themselves and i i i watched the other day um lazarus david bowie's uh, beautiful show and at the end the credits ran it and and i was like oh you know it seems like i cry a lot but i think i probably cried more this year than ever but um and my husband said it wasn't really a sad story and i said no i'm crying because look at all the names and there was about 400 names and it was everyone you know the grips and the stagehands and the bar manager even was mentioned none of those people would have had a job without that show but entertainment yeah. creates jobs and it's it's crucial and and you know the the, the technicians that are sound and light technicians they're not just running the lights for the show they, they they're very skilled individuals that are like on a cruise ship or people have got them running around doing mics or troubleshooting electrical problems for all sorts of people so it's got to be debunked i think more than ever now people have seen how crucial the arts are and and they are very supported especially in the uk i mean there's grants going like crazy and and the arts have been looked after an awful lot um it's just that recognition and you know all these people, these essential workers, and, and now many entertainers are part of that. But, you know, everybody, even whatever job they've done, they're going to get in the car and play the radio to chill out to. And back to the mental health thing, people need that escape to television, of of playing sports, which to, to me is a form of entertainment, to keep him fit and listening to music. And you need the yeah. entertainers to create that. So it all goes hand in hand. Yeah, and I think you're right. And I, I think during this time, I think suddenly there's been a shift in that. And that, that's why I've asked this question, because I think it's made people realise they took maybe entertainment for granted and all the things that they enjoy. And entertainment is a daily thing that we do. We turn on the TV, the radio, we use our phones, Facebook videos. Um, it's all around us and it's every day. So and that's why I kind of asked that question because uh, it's had that experience maybe before it. People think, oh, you know, what you're doing, just dancing around, having a good time. But actually, it's providing, like you say, entertainment to people and it's their well being and their life and their life. Absolutely. I mean, I think entertainment is crucial for mental health. I mean, and that to me, if you haven't got your mental health, you haven't got anything. Yeah. Um, any resources that if anyone's listening, you would recommend to, you know, use to get into being creative or a producer or even into the industry along the way? Is there any platforms that you would recommend that people look at or study or, or, or visit or connect with? There's a lot. I mean, it depends also about to where you are. But I mean, so many great people like I just saw something about Alicia Keys is doing some masterclass online. You know, and now stars are more reachable than ever. You know, there's a lot of resources out there that are free as well. And uh, look on people's websites. Have a nosy what they're doing. Uh, look at um, 
different courses that are available that may be free read do that reading that we always all put off because everyone wants to read a good book but do you want to read a book about how to direct from start to finish make sure you know all your theatrical terminology and I have to say one thing I was good at at school I didn't love it but I was good at it which was maths and I have to think and say that that's one of the most important things. So I've actually even downloaded an app um, that I've been using every day, which is lots of maths and different things like that, just to exercise my brain and make sure I'm keeping active. So know your market and your product and just work on self-improvement because you've got to be great at what you do and you have to have conviction and make sure you have got a great show reel. And... You know something, even if you haven't got a lot of experience, maybe it's somebody who's just leaving school or, you know, at school still, use this time to make those videos. I mean, there's so many apps out there and opportunities, much more than I ever had. I mean, well, Facebook didn't exist or anything like that. And network. You know, I I bought LinkedIn Premium, which was a, you know, it's very pricey and I'm going to stop it this month. But you get a lot of in-mails. And I've been emailing everybody and anybody um, and getting responses because people are suddenly surprised because never be afraid to contact the people at the top. Yeah. You know, so I, I just think network and make sure your pod, your product's very produced and it does present you in a slick and professional manner. Great, great advice. Um, Karen, what's been your greatest professional achievement this far? My greatest professional achievement, uh, I, I probably meeting my husband and marrying him because he was a musician and we performed together. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I was proud that I got the show on on Carnival Cruise Line and it was very, very successful. I was proud that I was a takeout director of the Jewel of the Seas and had a very successful career with Royal Caribbean. Love that you know, show. I, I loved, loved it. It's definitely one of my favourites. Um I'm very proud that I created the youth program for Norwegian Cruise Lines um, and wrote all those activities, uh, like the majority of them. And I would say probably my heart is Voodoo Blues, that we produced a 90-minute show on land that was incredibly successful. And we paid for everything ourselves from... From the That's amazing. every sequin to every, uh, you know, we, we we did all the music and the tracks and videos ourselves. So I'm, I'm probably my most recent ones of do Blues. Awesome. That's brilliant. I mean, like, there's so many there, right? You've had so many great experiences. Um, like I say, I've seen your shows, I've seen your work, and they are fantastic. And it's always a, a thrill to watch it. And always the response from uh, the audience is fantastic. Um. We're coming towards the end of uh, our interview and I kind of just want to ask a few more more questions to you before I let you go. I know you're super busy, so thanks for joining me. Um, if you could go back in time um, and start all over again, what do you wish you'd known before you started out that maybe would have helped you through or, 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 or got over any of those hurdles that you have if you'd have knew something before you started out in the industry? I do wish I'd... I'd gone to stage school after I left school you know and and had some more professional training in acting because I would have liked to have really probably explored that more but I was sort of set on earning my own living and then I, I got a little bit sidetracked along the way I've always put my hand up and volunteered which did me a lot of favors but I would say don't always be the biggest voice in the room because as you climb the ladder you can rub some people up the wrong way because for as many people who love you, there's always going to be some people that you just annoy them and that can hamper you, whether you have the ability or not. Um, right. You know, be don't burn... I mean, I, I feel like I've not really burned any bridges, but I've definitely experienced conflict sometimes that possibly could have been avoided if I just maybe realised that person's inwardly a bit shyer than me and you'd, I didn't have to be as right. loud and full on. If you could uh, work with any performer in the world, you could produce a show and that's a, that any performer you could have, who would it be? Well, I mean, you know. Apart, love... apart from me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely with you. Oh, my God. There's so many great people. I mean, you know, probably anybody involved with Hamilton because I'm yeah. like, obsessed uh, there. Um Oh, my goodness. I mean, there's just so many fantastic artists. 
uh, probably like after watching uh, yesterday's inauguration of the lovely poet Amanda. <laughs> yeah, amazing. We want to put her on a platform and lift her up. Um, yeah, just I mean, Justin Timberlake. I love Justin Timberlake. There's so many <laughs> amazing people, Darren. Honestly, and if 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 you could put your show anywhere in the world, once you've created it, where would it be? What platform? Where would it be? You know, in the in the world, where where would you go? Oh my god! I just want to be uh, on the West End or on Broadway. That would Maybe. be my dream come true. Awesome. So coming to the end, um, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, listening to your stories and I'm sure everybody will love it. Uh, so personable and, and such great advice and a journey that you went through and you've really done a bit of everything and now come to this great role as a producer and creative director. Um, you've kind of touched a bit on it already, but if you could give advice to somebody wanting to start out in the ent entertainment industry, you know, be that as an agent advice or as a producer, if you can kind of sum up um, your advice in, you know, three words, what would that look like? What would that be to somebody listening? Take any experience. You know, if even if it's dancing around uh, a festival in the field with some ribbons, <laughs> do it. Do anything. Get, build your resume. Never say no. I never did. Um, sometimes I should have done probably, but you know, make sure it's a professional company. But it can be this. It can be in your village. Yeah. Dance so any the library do kind it. of any experience is better than no experience. I, I personally think so. I don't think you can be an elitist, and I think that some of the best performers in the world and some of the most notorious performers, everybody begins somewhere and never. Roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty and just get involved and get that experience. And those those experiences that are the rougher ones are the best ones. Yeah, they make you appreciate the good ones. I, I've had a few of those in the past. Um, and so when you do get a great job or you have a contract with great people, you really um, appreciate it more because you know how actually it can not be that great. So I think that's great advice. Anything else before you go? Not just have fun, believe in yourself and just really shoot for the stars and don't let anybody ever tell you you can't do it because you can't because anyone can do anything believe me if i if i did anything anybody can <laughs> and if anybody wants to reach out they're they're you know interested in working on a cruise ship and whether that be a performer or a host musician um how did they get in contact with you yeah i mean please just email me karen at maybewebcreative.com um, I have a page on Facebook, Karen's Creative Connections, and then I, I have a couple of websites. And I'd say my recruit one, which is KMCC Recruit, is probably the best one for cruise ships. Perfect. Well, I will put all of those details on this podcast uh, so you can click on those and uh, contact Karen should you need be. So all I can say is thank you very much, Karen. It was an amazing uh, connecting with you again and hearing all your stories. It's been lovely. It's like I just saw you last week, but it's been a while. It feels like that. So thank you very much. I wish you all the best. And I know once this pandemic is out of the way, you're going to continue to do great things. But like I say, do follow Karen um, and you can check her out on LinkedIn and see her voodoo blue show uh there's a reel on there and everything if you're interested as well so karen all i can say is thank you very much um enjoy the rest of your day and take care thanks again for joining me on industry insights with dpds it's been a pleasure having you we will see you next week for our next episode where i'll be interviewing more entertainment industry professionals sharing their stories until then you can follow me on instagram facebook and all the links will be provided in this podcast until then enjoy your morning afternoon or evening and most of all stay safe